Welcome to the Wesley Word. Welcome back to Wesley Worship. If this is your first time. Uh, welcome. It was good to have you here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Steve Simino, campus minister here. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to say we're excited you're here. This is our second week in our new series called I'm Fine. And you see by the, the graphic there, we got a sailboat about to go and die into the depths of the sea and Poseidon's going to get them. But uh, we sort of began looking last week as this thing that we often sort of mask what's going on and we just say, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. When really on the inside, we feel like, you know, we're in the middle of this storm type thing. And last week we looked at this idea of self-care, right, and how we take care of ourselves, knowing that storms will come in the midst of our lives, but how might we use um, our ballast, our keel, to sort of keep us from tipping all the way over. And we talked about uh, making sure you're taking care of your body and your spirit and your soul, and, and also hit on uh, mental health and making sure you're taking care of yourself. And if you, if you need to seek help, make sure you're getting that. I'm not being ashamed of that, but make sure you do that so that you can sort of be, be whole and be, get, get where you need to be. This week we're going to continue on that, and we're looking at a different question on this idea of, of I'm fine. And some of you, you're probably like, ah, I got this under control. Others of you, if you're like me in school, you're like, oh my goodness, yes, I have these questions, right? And this, this sort of centers around, right, some people like think about their future, and they're like, I'm fine, I got it all together, right? I'm doing this, I'm going to grad school, I'm getting this job, and it's going to work out, right? But if you were like me, if I, someone asked me in, in college, like, what do you want to do with your life? What does God call on your life? That would like send shivers down my spine, right? Because I'd be like, I have no idea, right? And so maybe you're there. Maybe you're like, no, I got it all figured out. Or maybe you're like, Steve, I have no idea and I don't want to think about it, so please stop. If that's the case, just feel free to go back and pray and you'll be good, right? Um, but I, I wrestled with that question. And so tonight we're going to look at this idea of, of what, is, what does God have for us? What is God's purpose for our life? What is our calling in life? What is your calling? What is my calling? You might begin to think about, you know, I'm just curious um, what you wanted to be when you grew up, right? When you grow up. Uh, maybe you early on had some ideas of what you wanted to do. I remember early on, I would dress up in this nice little clip-on tie, and I'd carry my little fake briefcase around, right? And Stevie was going to be a businessman, right? I, I didn't know where, we, where I was going to be. I just didn't want to be in office, and I'm going to wear a suit and tie to work every day. If I had to wear a suit and tie every day to work in my life now, I'd probably quit, right? This is as dressy as I get as a campus minister, and I love it, right? At one point in time, I wanted to be a pilot, and I wanted to live in like three different cities and have three different penthouses and just live across the nation and hopefully have like three different girlfriends in each city and nobody would talk to each other, and it'd be great, right? I grew up before social media, so that could actually happen back then, right? Um, or in this I should have seen coming, right? We also played church in my house, even though I didn't really grew up in the church, and I also played like the priest and loved doing communion, right? I sort of, sort of should have seen that coming, right? Here I am as a pastor, right? Um, but this question of what does God want you to do, someone asked me that um, late in high school that sort of came to the church, and it like rocked my world. I sort of flipped out through like senior year of high school for probably the next, I don't know, 10 years, right? Because I was like, I don't know. What does God want me to do? And what if I choose something that God didn't want me to do? And then all of a sudden I'm in trouble because I didn't do what God wanted me to do. And I, it's sort of like going through my brain. And even like as I was um, prepared to get married and I was engaged to Julie and we were getting married, and I was definitely getting married. That was not in question, right? But I began to think about all these little decisions that happened that led me from Louisiana to Mississippi to Texas to, to Columbia uh, up here to Clemson. I'm like, man, what if I had taken like one, made one bad choice? I would have never ended up with her. And this would have been crazy, right? Now I start flipping out on all these things about what God wanted me to do. And I don't know about you, but I look at scriptures in the Bible and I would think, hey God, why, why can't you be like, like, let me be like all these other people and just give me a story, like just speak to me and tell me exactly what you want me to do, right? 
Abraham, early on in Genesis, right, um, he hears the word of the Lord and he leaves and he follows, right? He's 75 years old. He goes out. Later, God promises him and Sarah a child when they're like super old, about 99 years old, right? And all this happened because Abraham was willing to follow step by step. But Abraham was confronted by God and heard the voice of God to go and do this. He's like, man, I want some of that. Let me be Abraham. Let me be Sarah. I think about the story of Samuel, whose mother was Hannah, and he was living with the priest Eli. And three times when he's sleeping at night, right, he hears the voice of the Lord calling him, saying, Samuel. Right, to which he goes and he wakes up his, his friend Eli and says, did you need me? He's like, no, I'll go back to bed. Third time he comes back once again, and he's like, it might be God. You might want to answer, right? And so Samuel says, speak, Lord. The word of God came to Samuel and said, I'm calling you. This is what I want you to do. I wanted some of that. I think about the story of Esther, which God is not necessarily in that story, but we see the story of Esther, and once again, she has friends around her, and eventually use that famous line, right, maybe you're here for such a time as this. But they had this voice constantly in her head saying, maybe this is what you were called to do. I think about Jonah, right, who's like the, the epitome of what not to do. God says, you're going to go to Nineveh, and you're going to tell these people what I need you to tell them. And Jonah said, no thanks, bye, I'm leaving, right? And heads out to Tarshish and has all these issues with fish and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but at least he got the opportunity to say no to what God was asking him to do. I was jealous of these people. I look at Mary, right? Now, obviously, I did not want to carry the Son of God in my uh, like womb that I do not have, right? But at least like she got the opportunity when the angel of the Lord came and said, hey, this is going to happen. And she was like, okay, God, that's your will. I'm, I'm down with that, right? But at least she got the opportunity to, to flee or to to, you know, to say yes or no. The disciples had Jesus walking down the street right there fishing, right? I would love to be on Bowman throwing the Frisbee, and Jesus is like, hey, Steve, let's go follow me, right? I wanted that so bad. It didn't happen. Even Paul got some lightning, right? He was blind for a little while, had some scales on his eyes, but he had something big and powerful that happened that shaped him. I don't know if you were there, but I always wanted God to just, like, do that. Like, give me some lightning. Send something down. Let me know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I've told a story before when I was a chaplain, <clears throat> part of being ordained in Methodist Church, you have to serve as a chaplain uh, for at least six months. And um, I decided I never want to be a chaplain during those six months. But um, it was crazy. But they would give you a pager, right, back in the day. And What's up, kiddos? Uh, my pager, and they would be on my hip. And I knew that when that pager would go off, it would tell me what room to go to, um, what floor to go to, what crisis was happening. I knew exactly where to go, what to do. And for the longest time, I was like, God, just, just give me a little page. Shoot me a little text. Send me a little email, right? Maybe you're there, maybe you're not, but that's where I've always been like, God, I just need to know. I don't want to mess this up, right? Let me know what happened. It wasn't until seminary at age 27 that I finally got some peace about this because I was seriously worried about messing up. I didn't want to make the wrong decision, do something that God didn't want me to do. Like I needed to know exactly what I had to do. So at 27 years old, though, I hear, I was reading this story, and God sort of spoke to me um, through this book. Uh, by Barbara Brown Taylor. It's one of my favorite books. I actually give it out to graduating seniors uh, from Altar in the World. And she talks about how she was struggling with this as well and how she, she had done, she was like a, a grocery bagger. She was a, um, worked on a farm. She did all these different jobs, but she wanted to know what God wanted to do for her life, right? And she had this, this profound moment where she like says, she goes down to the fire escape, right? And she, she, she's sitting on the fire escape and she's just praying one night and just praying and praying and praying like, God, speak to me, speak to me. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And she said, clear as day, again, I wish I had this clear as day moment, right? But as clear as day, she hears God say, anything that pleases you. And she's like, what? Are you serious? And once again, she's praying and God's like, no, 
anything that pleases you, but belong to me. Anything that pleases you, but belong to me, right? And she said, on the one hand, right, you hear this and you're like, wow, God, thanks a lot for nothing, right? You didn't really give me an answer. You gave me a direction. But on the other hand, and this is where I finally felt peace, it was freeing. And hopefully a, a burden relieved for, it was for, for her, for Barbara and Taylor, is a relief for me as a seminarian still trying to get it right. And knowing that, so the point of that, and I, when God says do anything that pleases you, right? Like, don't go crazy, right? But where is your fire? What's your passion? Right? Belong to God, but do anything that pleases you. Meaning find your passion, find your energy, find what brings you life, and do that. And knowing that God can use you no matter what you do, right? You can't make the wrong decision between which type of engineering you're going to do. It might make your life harder or not, right? But God can use you in either one of those spaces. If you decide to become a teacher or a nurse or a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom, God can use you in whatever place that you are at as long as you are doing something that brings you life and are belonging and abiding to God on that, in that sense. And I don't know about you, but that, that, it took me 10 years of struggle to figure that out. And once I did that, it brought me a ton of peace to know that there's not like a bad decision that I can make if I choose the wrong major, if I choose the wrong career right out of school or choose the wrong career five years after that. As long as I'm abiding in God and doing what, and being the person God has called me to be as far as living as a disciple of Christ, that's what I do is not as important as how I do it, if that makes sense. Right? Think about in John 13, we see um, the one that the, the, just speak, Steve. We see the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? We see that uh, reclining next to Jesus. This is on the night when she was to give himself up for us, talking about the communion liturgy, right? And when they were reclining there with, with Jesus, right, if you don't know how they ate back in the, in the all right, I'm going to show you, why not? Right? They were reclining in Jesus. They would lean, like the tables were real low. And so oftentimes they would just sort of be, be chilling right here, right? This, I'm glad, this is why we don't do online church here anymore, right? So I'm not on here. Um, but they'd be re- leaning on their left arm and sort of have their feet tucked around by, back this, right? And so if you were sitting on the right side of Jesus, right, Jesus would be right here. And I'm not going to say this, but I'm like, like a half spoon, like, well, like a spoon right here, right? And so like you're, you're, you're close to that. And so if you're on the right side, you're, you're right there next to Jesus, right? You're close in there. You're leaning in, right? In the scripture, if you look at the Greek, it says the one who, you know, was Jesus loved, um, was right there reclining next to him. You could also translate as lean in or being next to the heart or being on, a, on his bosom. If you look at the King James Version, it actually says something like the, the, the disciple whom Jesus beloved was, was leaning on Jesus' bosom, was leaning into his heart, right? And we don't name who that disciple is that Jesus loves so much. We think it might be some different people. We have some different theories. But it's never named in the Gospel of John. They don't actually give that disciple a name. Part of that because maybe there was some humility there, right? But I think we can also take that and use that as an unnamed disciple to sort of place us in that spot, right? That what Jesus is getting at and what our calling is here is not necessarily a specific major, specific career. But part of our calling is we think about what Barbara Brown Taylor experienced of do what pleases you, but belong to me. It's part of our calling is that we're called to lean into Jesus, to try to put our ear close to his heart, to lean into his bosom, so to speak, and to, to, to be a, a person that is leaning in to Christ. And if we lean into Christ and, and try to hear what, what he's calling us to do, lean into living in the ways in which he is calling us to live, not in specific, action, in specific like majors, but a people of love and abounding in grace, then we get closer to what we're called to be. Because later on in that same chapter, after we hear about the disciple whom Jesus loved leaning into Jesus, Jesus gives the commandment, right? He says, I give you this commandment that you love one another 
Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then in John 15, they're still having the same conversation, right? Jesus says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine grower. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, leaning into Jesus, abiding in God. And if you do that, right, you will bear much fruit. And if you keep my commandments, right, you will abide in, in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. He's saying, abide in his love. Right? Our vocation, friends, the way of life that we are called to do. And I get, right, you're going to leave here and like, see, that wasn't helpful. Maybe like I still got to decide what major I want to do or what job I'm going to take or what internship I'm going to take. And yeah, you got to figure that out. But I hope this takes some relief and some burden and pressure off of you that, that God's going to get onto if you decide to take an internship in Tennessee rather than Texas, right? That wherever it is that you are, God can use you as long as you are leaning into Christ. And as long as your goal in life is to bear fruit. And that fruit that we bear is by loving God and loving our neighbor. And it sounds simple, but that is the message that God, at the very utmost bottom, bottom line thing, that is who we're called to be. To be a people who bear fruit. Right? First Corinthians 10, 31, we see whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Right? Whether you are doing a co-op, right? you do that for the glory of God. Whether you are out there rowing, you do that for the glory of God. Whether you're throwing a Frisbee around, you're doing that for the glory of God. Whether you're a camp counselor, you bear fruit and you do what you need to do during that time to bear fruit and to give glory to God. Whatever it is that you do in all circumstances, all the things that you do, we are called to give glory to God by leaning into God, leaning into Christ so that we can then bear fruit by loving others and loving God. Barbara Brown Taylor mentions that every interaction that we have with another human being is an opportunity to both lean into to Christ and to bear fruit. Just every opportunity that you have when you come into with an individual, every single interaction, you have the opportunity to either make things better or to make things worse. You have the opportunity to help bear good fruit in their lives or the opportunity to bear fruit that is not so, so good, right? What is it that we're going to do, right? And so I, it sounds like a, maybe a simple message, but it's one that took me a long time to figure out, and I wish someone would have told me this when I was in school. And I want to leave that with you and hope bring you some, some burden there, right? Or relieve some burden. And that is not necessarily what you decide to do, but how you do it. And know that God will be pleased with you if you simply live a life that is bearing fruit. Fruit that lasts. Fruit of love, right? And with that, though, I'll, I'll wrap up on this. And I'll, I'll, I'll quit talking. Um, like, make sure, though, that you find something that brings you life. As you think about what is your calling or what you want to do with your life. Find something that brings you life. As a pastor, right, some people are always asking me, like, how did you end up becoming a pastor? I'm like, I don't know. I thought pastors were weirdos. I didn't want to be a pastor. I guess I'm a weirdo. That's why I'm here, right? Uh, but, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? I had some people on the lo- along the way that were like, hey, you should maybe do this. And I was like, yeah, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. But I began to do devotions on mission trips with Wesley. And I was like, wow, this, like, lights a fire in me. Right, I got to speak at, at, at Evensong back then. We had that, um, we'd have Eventide. And I was like, man, this was cool. This like filled me up. And the more I did those things that pastors do, the more I felt alive inside. And so it was this long winding road, but eventually I was like, okay, this is what I need to do because I found that's what gave me the most life. And so I encourage you to think about what is it that gives you life and to go and to do that, right? But also know this, sometimes what your vocation is, what your real calling is, what gives you life is something that has in no way will ever pay the bills, Right? You're like, I want to do this. And you're like, well, okay, that's fine. You can live on the street, but you're not going to be, you know. And so sometimes the reality is we just got to get a job, right? Sometimes you just got to pay the bills. But you also know if you're just doing the same like nine to five type thing and you just feel like it's like not feeding you, right? 
there are other ways to live that out, right? And sometimes your true calling, your true vocation, what it is that brings you life, might be something that you volunteer for on the weekends, might be something that you volunteer for in the evening times. So we've got like 12 youth counselors here at the church that do an incredible job that we've got like they're like PTs during the week. They work on campus. They do all these different things, but part of their vocation, part of their calling, part of what gives them life is doing those things on Sunday nights. And so I invite you to think about as you go through and think how you lean into Christ, how you bear fruit. Also ask that question, what brings you life? What sets you on fire? What gets that, that thing going in the, in the, in the pit of your, of your stomach, right? And follow that. Chase after that. Oftentimes, that is sort of that voice of God that's speaking and saying, yeah, do more of that. That's why you're on fire. So hopefully that's good news. Hopefully that's a burden relieving. Maybe if you're like, Steve, I'm more confused than ever. I don't know. But for me, it's very simple. Lean into Christ. Bear fruit. And no matter what you're doing, remember that the how is what matters as we seek to be the people that Christ has called us to be. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this night, for this chance to come and to share a meal around the table, to enjoy some killer nachos, to lift up our voice in song and praise to you, to lift up our hearts in prayer. God, we pray that as we wrestle with what are we to do with our lives, God, some of us are wrestling with what major to choose or to stick with. We're trying to decide which job to go into. We're trying to think about what's next. And God, all those things are exciting and there's doors abound. And we just pray, God, that you would give us the courage to just put one foot in front of the other. And to remember that you won't be disappointed in what we choose as long as we abide in you. As long as we seek to bear fruit wherever it is that we are planted. We thank you for those opportunities, O oh Lord. We give you thanks that you are with us every single step of the way. We pray, O oh God, that your presence will be felt. And as we make decisions and seek to be the people that you've called us to be, that you would grant us peace for the journey. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. The Wesley Word is a production of the Clemson Wesley Foundation. For more information about Clemson Wesley, check out our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, get out there and love your neighbor.